Hey everybody, Chris here, and we're taking a small break from the Forgotten Books of the Bible series just to get caught up on some recording and content for all of you guys. But don't worry, we aren't leaving you with nothing to listen to. We decided that we would release one of our very first YouTube series that we recorded back in 2020 called The Conviction Series, where we essentially went through the book of James, chapter by chapter, and talked about what convicted us from it. The audio quality isn't that great on some of the episodes, but we really thought that the content was good enough to overlook some of the bad audio quality we had when we first started up. So we really hope you all enjoy this short series and allow it to do some convicting in your life as well. All right, welcome back to another episode of Your Church Friends Conviction Series. We are continuing James chapter 4, part 2. I'm Chris. I'm Murdoch. Uh, so we're only going to cover verses 17 or 7 through 17. Yeah, or backwards 17 or through 7. Or 17 yeah. through 7. And so I will start first with the conviction of going through verses 13 through 17. Real quick, because some people might be new. We are going through the book of James. Yep. The conviction series is basically us coming, just going through the book and going, ouch, this convicts. This is something that I need to change in my life, something that I have changed in my life. And I'm glad that you're going first because whenever you throw it on me to go first, it's like, I don't want to be the first one to confess where I'm at. <laughs> but yet here we are. Uh, chapter four, part two. So James starts getting into it. And uh, basically through these verses, he's telling people, uh, why do you plan your day or today or tomorrow and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, or I'm going to make money here. And you don't even know what tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and talks about our life is a mist and then we're gone, we vanish. And he's like, instead, what you should do is if the Lord wills it, we'll go here and we'll go there. Uh, but you just brag and boast. And, and at the end, he says, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. And that verse alone, I mean, could stand out on its own on a conviction. Like That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it also is just the most ouch on a daily basis. Yeah, because that one alone is just like, Anyone then who knows what they ought to do and doesn't do it since. It's kind of like, um, what's the, the Matrix movie? Mm -hmm. Where the guy, they're like, they get taken out of the Matrix. And um, the, the guy who turns on everybody, he wants to go back in to the Matrix. Right. And they're eating the dinner. And he's like, I know this isn't steak. Like, I know it's just something telling my brain that steak and what it tastes like. But he was, at the end, it was like, ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. I don't think we could take that with, as being a Christian. We can't just be like, well... I know what the truth is, but I'm just going to tell myself it's not, and then just let my ignorance be bliss. Yeah, and it just sums up so much. I mean, you've got the whole Bible, right, and you go through it, but when you just summarize it, like, if you know a good thing to do and you don't do it, you're sinning, mm -hmm. which the good thing to do in the broader scope is going to be loving other people and loving on God and, you know, promoting that goodwill there, but it's just like, yeah, do you need to know the specific law or command or whatever? If there's something good, do the good thing. Right. If not... You're trying to jump back into the matrix of sin, and like you've seen the truth now. You know that that's not where you should be. We had a guest pastor speak here during the December when we were taking like missions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of them, he, he said that just go out and do the next kind thing. Mm -hmm. And I think as for us as Christians, like that should just always be our model. Like just go out and do the next nice thing. Like the next kind thing you could do for someone, just do it and see how your life starts changing and progressing. And that kind of is the like, hey, you know what good is and what it ought to be. Just go out there and do it. 
But if you don't, like if I see someone who needs something and I don't do anything to help them, is that just a sin? Right. And we keep growing in what we know the good to be. Mm -hmm. It starts off really crude, but then as we grow spiritually in maturity and we start reading more of the scriptures and really putting these spiritual practices in play, kind of what good is, it always keeps that crude form, but it starts refining as far as like, what is the good word to say right now? Mm -hmm. Do I come with a rebuke or with encouragement? Do you know, am I a little more cushy with this person because that's what they need? Or am I harder with this person? Or, you know, it's between the words and the actions and I have money. Is it better to invest this into something and see where that goes and that's mm -hmm. good? Or to just, you know, put it. And that's where I think that the reality of this being a living spiritual life that you can't go, well, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. No, what is it for you right now? What is the good thing that God is leading you? Yeah, it's it's an outro. It's crazy because it wasn't where I was going. I was actually going to focus on the other part. Keep going. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> that's just one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Yeah. So that's when you brought it up first. So, oh, okay. We'll just go touch on that first. Yeah. Might as well get it out of the way. The stop sinning every moment of your life part. <laughs> yeah. Not that hard. Yeah. It's weird because in concept, it's not that hard. Just keep doing the good loving thing. One thing at a time. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Just follow, obey, follow, obey. I, I'm actually going through um, Exodus right now in my daily reading. And it's so amazing to constantly see like God say, I will do this and they will know that I am the Lord. And then they're like, oh, he's Lord. And a few moments later, it's like, I don't have any meat to eat. <laughs> like that was your big complaint. You got taken out of slavery and you're in the desert. And your big complaint was, we don't have any meat to eat. And the grumbling complaint, then they get the meat and we don't have any of this to eat. And then you get that and the water. And it's like this consistent, like grumbling, grumbling, grumbling. And all God keeps telling them is just follow. Actually, if I, if I could find it fast enough, it, it, what's sticking out to me is what I read the other day. Uh, he, he talks about the collecting the manna. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. So Exodus 16, uh, verse 4, uh, the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And God told them, just collect this much. And that's it. Like, just collect that amount and do it this day to this day. On this day, you collect double because it's going to be for the next day. And then you can just clearly see, like, then there's like, they just... How dip. many verses is it later that they completely they just, like, dip out on the plan? Yeah, they do whatever they want. So it's uh, so it simple. And then um, at the end of the chapter, in verse, like, 27, it says, Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day together, so they weren't supposed to collect on the seventh day. So, nevertheless, some people went out there, and mine in my Bible, nevertheless, and there's another one in verse... One that's however, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses, circled however. Nevertheless, in verse 27, some of the people went out on the seventh day together, but they found none. It's interesting that the simplicity of the instructions are there for us, and we know what's good sometimes. The simple, if we just broke it down, like you broke it down to the simple. Love God, love people. And how much we stumble on the simple and sin. And I think what people don't consider is that disobedience is a sin. Like, if I'm not obedient in just the smallest thing, yeah, that's a sin that I just committed. Pretty sure that's in here somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Man, I thought that there was enough conviction just within James, and you're bringing in yeah, Exodus. Yeah, I went to Exodus with And it. You, you go into there, and just like, okay. So we look at their example of, man, you just full-on saw all the plagues. You saw this huge empire that you were enslaved to, and God, through miraculous ways, brought you up out of it. And then you're immediately grumbling and complaining, and you just saw the miraculous thing. It's like, okay, Murdoch, 
how far away from a miraculous thing in your life do you get before you start complaining and forgetting what God has done that's good? Because, right, if we could constantly be aware of, oh, yeah, God is really real and he's powerful enough to move in those ways, I have no reason to complain. Mm -hmm. But yet, how far down the line do I get before, uh, therefore, wherever, like, whatever it is, nonetheless, there's like, so God did all of these good things for Murdoch. Nonetheless, the next day he woke up and was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, back to this thing. I'm going to stop because I I could keep going on with that about even like, gosh, the simple idea of prayer, right? We, We, prayer is something we should be doing, but I can say, and I would probably, if we surveyed a church or Christians in general, the amount of percentage that people pray on a daily basis is super low. And it's one of the simplest things that we have or that we could do. And I know I struggle with it on a daily basis sometimes. It's just communicating with God. And if I'm always thinking about God, I'm always talking to God. But that's not true because that's my... uh, trying to maneuver my way out. That's just you thinking thoughts. Yes, really, that's that's me thinking. And that's never good for anybody. Um, (laughs) Your wife is like, please think more, please. (laughs) Or just stop thinking, you're getting us into so much trouble. Um, But even in that, a simple obedient thing that we struggle with, the simple obedient thing of just reading our Bible every day, like those are the simple things, but then we want to go out and do the big things or we want to be part of this bigger picture, but we can't do the small things. Um, and what makes us think, and I, I like that God had that there. Like this, the first test was go out and pick food for yourself, only this much, bring it back in, eat it, and then I would know if they could follow my instructions. Like how hard is that? Go serve yourself dinner. That's a simple instruction. <laughs> it's really just like, hey, I got your food. Go eat the food. That's what makes God happy right now. Right, and then I'm looking at it like my, I think of my kids, and I'm, I have to always walk by and like, eat your dinner. It's been 40 minutes. Why is food still on your plate? The simplicity of just a simple instruction that we struggle with on a daily, and James hits it right there in verse 17. Anyone then who knows the good, he ought to do and doesn't do it since. At this point, we know the good. Like, uh, yeah, there's a level. Like, I, I really like that. You said there's a level as we grow and grow and grow. And if this is a conviction just for me, at this point, I know a lot of the good I should be doing, and I don't do it on a daily. And I think even when you go back to like at the beginning, the simplest stages of just like reading your word, just start there, do the simple, and everything starts gradually getting not easier, but yeah, there. There's a couple things, and then I'm gonna take it to another section. But uh, there's an old hymn that I remember from when I was a kid over in Scotland, and they would sing it, and I can only hear one lady's voice singing it for some reason, but it goes, trust and obey, for there's no other way mm-hmm. to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It's weird that it links happiness and trusting and obeying, but that's really what it is. It's just like when we consider that God only puts the good before us and all of his commands are leading to what's good for us, it will produce happiness. Happiness is the effect of walking in obedience, right? Because you were bringing that up as far as, you didn't say trust and obey, but you said something similar. And then I know it's probably been said a lot, but I first heard it from my previous pastor that said, um, it's not all of the scripture that you don't know that's the problem. It's the parts that you do know mm. and you're not doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's a whole book. But what do you know right now? Because that's the good that you ought to be doing. Right. And if you can't do that, like, why are you trying to move into more memory verses or reading through the whole thing in a year? It's like, what? Then you're under a greater obligation that God's like, here's what the plan is, guys. Yeah, and it kind of ties into like where James started off in a verse or chapter three that now many of you shouldn't presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. 
even kind of lining up with how you're saying that the more you read, the more you know, the more you're going to be held accountable for what you know. If this was the end of James, because he has <laughs> chapter 5 still that's going to kick us in the butt, um, but if this if James ended right there, it would have been like the crescendo of like, yeah, the mic drop, <laughs> boom, and walk away. And the, the really what I want to touch on in the like, um, before we move on to the other stuff, is the uh, your life. Mm-hmm. And what hit me in the conviction, actually did convict me, because I think the last time we recorded, I had really nothing on that. But then the concept became of like, um, I don't know what my tomorrow brings. And if I don't know what tomorrow brings, why am I wasting today? And that that kind of hit me in so many areas. <laughs> and I'm going to touch on it, and I'm figuring we're probably going to spend more time on it uh, right now. But that hit me. Right? Yeah. That, that concept that I can, I can literally waste a day and... I can waste a day on myself or tons of other things, distractions. Like this phone is a number one distraction for me, I would say. For everybody pretty much. Yeah. I could just get distracted and I'm down the rabbit hole of my phone of like social media, browsing through internet searching, playing games or apps on there. And then I'm done and like two hours have gone by and I'm like, whoa, what happened? I was supposed to be productive on other stuff. But the, the the thing in there that James, I think, really is trying to get across to all of us is that you don't know what tomorrow brings. Make today matter. Make the most of the opportunities you have. Go out there and make an impact. But also, the if it is the Lord's will, that we need to take God with us every day and everywhere we go. Any decision we make, God needs to be in it with us. Because if he's not, I'm making a decision for my life. And then that kind of follows in with that last verse. Am I being obedient when I make a decision for my life and not following God's will? If I'm not including God into my life, is he really a part of my life? Like I just, I want God for the salvation, but I don't want him to tell me what to do with my life. That's what I really got out of this the last week or so since we talked about it last. Yeah, man, you just brought so many things to mind right now. But yeah, I I really see how you're talking about the not putting off to tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what I'm saying. We can come up with all of our excuses. Well, today or tomorrow, we're going to go there and we're going to go to that city or we'll spend a year there and we'll do our business and we'll do whatever we need to do, but you don't know what will happen tomorrow. And I think that the reality of that is so great right now, given all this coronavirus stuff. Everybody at the end of 2019 was just, yes, 2020 Mm -hmm. cannot wait. It will be fantastic. And then January and the world is on fire and it just kept going in that direction. And just like, cool. Yeah. What were your plans for 2020? What did you not take care of in 2019? Because 2020 was going to be so great for mm-hmm. you. It's like, we don't know what's happening next. And that part about things, be, our, our life being a vapor that disappears. I mean, I'm 30. That was quick. <laughs> and my dad's been telling me for years, like just yesterday, I was a kid playing in the streets of Glasgow. My dad's like 76 or something like that. I should know the precise number. But the fact that he's like, no, it was really yesterday. And he's like, and then I was holding you and you were a baby. And like, now I'm 30. So just like, yeah, it keeps going quick. And we don't really have the time that we think that we have. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the time that we do have, what's its purpose? Right. I think that that's when we're bringing what's its purpose. Um, there is a purpose for today. And it's probably not just, yeah. All right, conviction. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I'm going to leave this room. It's like, what do I need to do next? But I think that that's the best place to be. Mm-hmm. And that's where the conviction leads us. Is, okay, God, what do I need to do next? Because mm-hmm. um, that, that whole thinking about God thing, or that whole like, well, I pray all day, every day. I'm constantly mm-hmm. thinking to God or asking himself. It's just like, well, when does it ever interrupt your day into, all right, God, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. 
we can pray all the things for what we want God to do. But when we take that, flip it and reverse it into, okay, I'm not getting up from this spot until you give me an okay or a go. I heard this, uh, just going to jump into the prayer thing again. Yeah. I heard this from, uh, it was an interview with Mother Teresa. And I think, I can't remember, it was one of those famous interview guys back in that time. And he asked her, like, why everything that you're doing, like, what is it? And she was like, I pray. And then he was like, well, when you pray, how does that work? And she was like, I listen. And then he said, well, how does that work? And she said, God listens. So then it's this idea of like, well, who's talking, right? And then he's like kind of confused. And she said, uh, if I have to explain why that makes sense, you're probably not going to understand it anyways. But the, the idea of like when we do pray, we have to pray and listen. Like there, there is a, a definite time that we have to sit back and hear what God's telling us. Because if not, if I'm just dumping out all of my wants and needs and requests like god's just the tooth fairy or a genie like i'm just going to him with all these things instead of just sitting back sometimes and saying god what do you want me to do because it really stemmed from the verses of jesus going out and praying mm -hmm. and then he came out and knew what his purpose was and that's what kind of sparked my idea was the purpose of it all was like when we sit back and listen to god we'll find our purpose and, and the last thing before we jump into anything else would be Maybe God doesn't answer your prayers because if he did, he knew, he knows you won't pray anymore. Like once you get what you want, you're not going to come back and ask for it again. Um, and I, I, those are some like convictions that I got like about prayer and everything. So unless you want to touch on that anymore, I think we should move on. Yeah. I mean, just on prayer, it's going to get into it in five about like, hey, Elijah was just a normal dude yeah. and let's look at his prayers. But I'll leave that as a, a teaser for, for when we get to five. All right, um, see, look at that. I broke the rule. It was supposed to be stay in the chapter you're in, and I totally went into the next well, chapter. Well, there's also, right, you guys don't have it because you're not asking. Mm -hmm. When you ask for it, you're asking amiss. So it might not be, hey, if you got it, you'd yeah. stop praying. It's just like, you don't even know what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just not refined enough to even know, like, oh, you want this, you want that, you want that, you want that. Why? What does it have to do with loving somebody or loving God? Right. Selfish. All right. Um, wow, that was a lot. That was just 13 through 17. Let's... Yeah, that was 20 minutes. We got 10 left. <laughs> We've got a couple seconds. No, this one's not going to be done in 10. Um, spoiler, there's a little bit more to go. Here we go. 7 through 10. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So all of that right there, I don't feel close to God. Why? Because I'm not submitting, and I'm not drawing near to him. Well, I can't see God. I can't hear God. What's going on? God is still God. Here's some very clear direction on why. And throughout my Christian walk, I've run into this several times, to where it's, oh, I'm trying to resist the devil without submitting to God. I get it twisted in my brain that's like, I can't come to God until I fight off this thing in my life. And I've lost to this thing several, several times. And my flesh that gives into this temptation, whatever the temptation, because it's been different throughout like these past 10 years, is, oh, yeah, there's the thing in me that wants to do that. So I keep giving into that thing. And the power of the spirit, because my relation with God isn't there. So, but then I get in my brain, well, I can't come to God until, like, I defeat this devil, mm -hmm. until I defeat this temptation, until I'm pure enough, until I'm whatever. It's like, no, you like, you don't get it. 
That's where I read Romans 6, 7, and 8. Yes, you have this flesh. It's always opposed to God. It's only through God's spirit that you can overcome it. So it's like, therefore, submit to God. Step one, go to him. God, I'm handing myself over to you. I have been disobedient. I'm completely do whatever is coming to me as far as like, if you put it, you know, if there's judgment, if there's love, if there's grace, if there's whatever, I'm giving myself to you. This is where I've been. And I don't want to be away from you anymore. And it's not a, I'm coming to you so that you'll go beat up the devil. It's, I have been so far away from you for so long, and I just want to come home now. Mm -hmm. I just want to be with you. Even if that means whatever that means. Like, yes, I've been a bad kid. <laughs> like, if, like, if I need to be disciplined, because God disciplines the ones that he loves. Like, okay, I'll take the discipline, but it's better than where I've been. And I don't want to be away from you anymore. I just want to be in your love. I want to be with you. That's those next verses. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. That's the thing. Honestly, even when I'm in that mode of like trying to fight off my temptations and my sin and whatever that is, like there's that pride in there that I think I can defeat it or I want to become that holy person or I want all that stuff. But I'm never actually lamenting and mourning and weeping, mm -hmm. right? It never actually breaks me to the point of just like, what the heck kind of person am I? Eventually I get to that point and that's part of that whole process, but when I'm standing there and I'm just like, I'm not broken over my sin, I'm standing there still like, oh, I'm going to defeat this sin. Yeah. Like, there's no brokenness there, which is just like, it's my flesh fighting my flesh. It's like just stuck in this thing and God is outside of what's going on. And yeah, all of that process right there. I've learned now that you can, right there, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. You can kind of walk in a more humble path that makes you a lot closer to that point if you slip. But there have been long stretches of time where I've lived in the wrong side of that equation. Howdy, this is Sheriff Jay Arkansas, and I'm here to bring order to the wild west of your flesh with some convicting truths. Look, you know what you should be doing, so just do it. Don't be like the Israelites, always complaining and being disobedient. All they had to do was follow God's simple instructions. Here's some good advice for y'all. Do the next kind thing. That will help you know you are on the right track with God. Finally, you must have God in every part of your life. Don't try planning things without Him. Because if you do, he ain't part of them. Submit to God and let all plans go through him. This has been Sheriff Jay Arkansas. And you've just been convicted. It, it's interesting. Um, as you were saying everything, the prodigal son just came to my mind. Mm -hmm. The prodigal son said, give me, yep. and ran away. Caught himself in his field and then realized... I am here in my shame and got up and right there came near to God and he will come near to you. And as the prodigal son is walking back home, the father sitting on the porch sees his son and ran to him. It's just a perfect illustration. Then the last part, humble yourself, make me your servant. You gave me and look what I did. Now just make me. And I think that's a really, really thing that we have to look, understand in our Christian life. We always want like, give me, give me, give me. But we should really start coming to God with make me. Instead of give me the things I want or what I think I need, make me the person I need to be. And he comes back and says, make me. 
and then it's humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And he humbled himself before the father. The father came, they put on the finest robe, put on the ring, and they had a feast. And there he was lifted up in front of all his friends in the community. And it was just a real picture. And I'm not even touching on the resist the devil part, <laughs> but like that, that to me is the only illustration I kept seeing in my head as you're talking, because that's, that's the concept God was trying to get, or Jesus was trying to get across to the people. Like, understand when you come near to God, he's coming near to you, running towards you. And the reality is, though, when I come near to God, he's always been there waiting and wanting me there. And it's just interesting to me. And I wonder if James at any point just sat back and remembered that or even heard the other disciples tell that story and reflected on that as he wrote that. I mean, it's pure speculation in my head, but it just seems like it matches up oh, so well with yeah. that story. Yeah, I can think really clearly since this is the Conviction Confession series. Right. Um, and really, hopefully, this Conviction Confession would kind of bring the same to others is there was a point in my life of I was still serving in the church. I was working with foster kids a lot. I was, you know, on staff at a church. I was doing all of the things. It was kind of like, wow, if you looked at the church, it's just like, wow, look at Murdoch. Like he is like, wow, you know, and that was there. But we can do so much of those actions and not be near to God. Right. We can be doing so much of those actions as a our own form of trying to be holy, of trying to be righteous. Meanwhile, there is a sin that's in there that's unrepentant of or that's hidden or that's trying to whatever and just blocking that relationship and knowing that, hey, that needs to come out, but it's just not. And this whole resist the devil thing, I remember we were at a summer camp and one of the kids just full blown like started going demonic possession. Like he at one point bare hands was carving into wood like to the point of bloody fingernails, like this demonic face, and there was just a whole kinds of stuff, and like he was throwing off a couple of us that we were trying to like contain him, and he was just like throwing us off, voice change, like the whole thing, and we were like, all right, well, let's all fast. So all the people on staff were like fasting and like all the stuff, and we were doing all that, and this was right at a point where I knew that like I've been so distant from God that here I am trying to resist the devil, and it's just like me as a person, like none of these good things that I'm doing. Like, this needs the power of God to move in my life. And that was a huge turning point in my life, my ministry, my everything, my Christian walk, that I actually left the camp early with him because he got kicked out because of other stuff that was going on. The demonic thing went away, and then it was a complete story for another time. But I decided to go home early with him and just, like, set things straight and confess things to different people and kind of just like, all right, I'm not running from this thing anymore. I'm not hiding this thing anymore. None of these good ministry things that I'm doing is really what God is looking for. He's looking for this closeness of relationship. And once I did that, things got on a track record back to what it should be. It's a good parallel, too, with the end of the, that verse, because a lot of times we think doing, 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 and showing up to church is my good service or me doing the good I ought to know. But a lot of times it's not. I've been in the same boat you were in, where pastoring and serving and leading and doing all that stuff, but couldn't be any closer to God during that time in my life, like probably further away from God than any moment in my life while I'm in the midst of serving. Again, doing all good yeah. things that have good effects. I mean, like because I know I was having a good effect on people around me, but it's not where 
And you think that doing those things is what's the good I ought to do. But I had totally stopped doing the good I knew I should do, which was being in my word daily, having a relationship with God consistently where I'm praying and talking and listening and doing all those things that were supposed to like draw me near to God, me coming near to God in his word. I, I can't draw near to God if I'm not reading the Bible. Like there's no way. I'm not going to draw near to God if I'm not praying or talking to him. Like I've been married 13 years almost. And imagine the communication level me and my wife would have if I never talked to her. I mean, some people and her specifically might say it might be better. But <laughs> even in that, 13 years of us learning together how to communicate with each other, and we're still learning how to communicate with each other. So what makes me think that I'm going to learn to communicate with God by not talking to him? It's a process. It's a learning. It's an education. And not doing that good I ought to know really was just, it, it's going to, it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt my relationship with God. And then it's what James follows up next, right? Like the wash your hands, you sinner. He's talking to Christians. Mm-hmm. Wash your hands, you sinners, uh, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And the verbiage of you're a sinner, like you're a sinner because you're not doing what you ought to know. You think everything, the, the outer exterior works of doing stuff is what's going to save you, but you have no relationship with God. And it's almost the same thing when Jesus talks about to the Pharisees, like yeah, everything is an outward expression, but there's no internal work going inside. And if we're not doing the things we ought to know, the simple stuff, the getting in our word, the praying, how are we ever going to have a real relationship with God? How are we going to know what we ought to do? Yeah, Because we're, we're just going to be service-based. You know what's crazy? I had a total different direction on what I was going to talk about yeah. when we started this. I had like So a, did I, but then just <laughs> this is the thing about us sitting and talking, right? Like I had a, I had these three points, and I totally forgot my notes, but it was uh, in James 4, James kind of uh, shows us there are three enemies. It's the world, it's ourselves, and it's the devil. And there's like keys on how to even combat it. Mm-hmm. But I don't have my notes with me, so I don't even remember that. So maybe I'll type that up in a follow-up thing later and do that, but... James 4 part 2 has been a 4.2.5. Yeah. <laughs> just a little. It's like a, our, uh, our Apple phone updates, just yeah. 13 point something something. Um, yeah, as we said, going to the next part, you brought up just the communication. Like, I won't put this on you, but I know how many times I have thought that I've heard something right, or I have thought that what was being communicated meant a thing, and it didn't mean the thing that I thought, mm-hmm. and it was communicated in the right way. All of it was on me as far as taking it wrong for my own issues and my own whatever. Like, how many times have we, like, been upset with God or thought God was doing a thing or whatever as far as trying to put it on God when just like, no, that was all on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's your own fault, bub. Yep. Anyways, are you good on that? Because we've only got these couple verses left. I'm good. Actually, that was the only thing in the chapter <laughs> that really got me. So if well, you we, got something else left, then that's... Well, we got to do it. There's verses 11 and 12. All right. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Yikes. Speaking evil of another. I think that we can tend to... uh, Make speaking evil. Oh, evil is evil, and evil is big, big evil, right? Okay. I'm just going to put out a bunch of things, even though it might not fully relate with us, but like, are you a Republican? How do you talk about Democrats? Are you a Democrat? How do you talk about Republicans? How do you feel about Trump? How do you feel about, like, you know, whatever. Okay, how do you feel about 
what's going on with the LGBTQ, or if you're in that you know part, how do you feel about the church? How do you talk about people? What about mm-hmm. racial stuff that's going on, right? How do you talk about that? How do you talk about just people who take different sides on these issues, even if it has nothing to do with the people themselves, but just, oh, they're just fully stupid for even thinking that way or mm-hmm. talking that way or all that. What about those people in the church who is right saying brother, yeah. judging a brother, who are doing the thing differently than you would have done it? Well, that ministry leader or that person over there, or that volunteer or that person who's just here, right? How are we talking about these people? If it's not love, if it's not building up, if it's not coming privately and in the way that it's talking about in a rebuke to try and correct to make things in a better way, um, is it not speaking evil, right? Like, how do we judge it? Like, well, if they're speaking lovingly and in an edifying way, then that's one category. What are things that aren't in that category? I, I think it's kind of weird that James is over here like, uh, you sinners, <laughs> you double-minded, <laughs> yeah. and then he comes down here. Hey, don't slander one another. Mm-hmm. And and then instantly I think, well, slander basically means you're saying something about someone that you don't know to be true, right? You're kind of making up a gossip. A bit gossip. And so where does James stand on over here just calling everyone sinners and double-minded and then worthless and everything else? Where James is like, well, I know that's true about you. And it's kind of that rebuke and love. Mm-hmm. We could give a rebuke and love, and I think we're called to that. But I think specifically here... He's also saying, like, what you're saying, watch how we talk about other people and don't gossip about other people. Like, why are we talking about people when we don't know the full capacity of the story, the fullness of everything that's being said or anything? Like, watch what you're saying about other people because it's important. I I really do think it's important. And I know for me, like, I, this is an area I would say I struggle with, not about slandering other people because I don't really talk about people behind their back. If I got something to say, it's going to be to your face. Um, it's going to be a rebuke. It won't be in love. Uh, so I'm working on that Confession. part. Confession. Sorry, conviction. Conviction. All of it. But if someone's like, if I hear someone talk about something, and I'm like, ooh, what you saying? Like, I am instantly a gossip. And I know it. And it's something I work on, and I've actually gotten way better at in the last year, and I'm proud of myself. But as Christians, yeah, <laughs> we always take a... Like, I've heard we take prayer requests and we turn it into gossip. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone say, like, I'm struggling with this. And like, oh, did you know so-and-so was doing this? But it is very important to watch what we say about each other. And I, and I think the fullness of all this really comes down to what James is saying. Because he's saying Christians, like one another, a perspective of the world is they can't even talk good about each other. Why am I going to go be part of that church or be part of this Christianity or this religion? If I want to get gossiped on, I'll go to work. I'll, that happens to me every day at work by people who don't call themselves Christians. Like James is saying, be an example here because what the world needs to see is love, like you were saying. And if they could see a, a community of people that are consistently encouraging each other and building each other up. And and I like how you brought in the like, once it came into like, oh, I don't like how they do ministry or how they do things. Across the board, so many people do that in the church, I think. I, I know I've been guilty of it. And probably will be guilty about it tomorrow because I have an opinion on everything and anything, which is something I'm working on. But how we talk to each other is so crucial as Christians because if we're not talking about each other the right way, the world sees it. And they don't want any part of it. I I don't want to be part of something that's going to be the same thing as I'm already in. So really here, there's one, I agree with everything that you were just saying, but kind of 
in that and bringing it to this point of in verse 12 there's one lawgiver who's mm -hmm. able to save and to destroy when we look at within the church the person that you're judging if they're really a believer and god is working in their life they are a masterpiece that god is working on mm -hmm. and if you're coming in judgment and speaking evil about that like you're speaking you're judging the law you're like you're judging what god is doing mm. Again, if we can be used by God because he's using all of us to be able to come in and in a loving way work on that person to help shape that masterpiece, that's a thing. But if you're slandering someone for who they are and you're tearing that person down, it's like, who are we to tear down who God is building up? Right. It's like that person is a canvas that God is making a masterpiece on and we are judging what he is doing mm -hmm. <laughs> there. And it's kind of like those some of those talent shows, right, where they're, like, doing stuff and you can't see what the art thing is and they flip it upside down and it's like the Mona Lisa and you're like, whoa, I never yeah. would have seen that. It's like, who are we to judge what God is doing? He knows what he's doing. We should be supporting what God is doing there. Yeah, when we start becoming the judge of the judge, that's a bad spot to be. Right. And you're bringing up the having an opinion on everything. I think that's a huge thing when it comes to our tongues. It's just, we don't actually need to talk. And I need to get that from my own self a lot because mm. obviously we're sitting here talking and when I <laughs> preach I'm talking and when I'm with people I'm talking and as long as there's somebody there I will keep talking as long as they're there even when they're kind of like okay like I gotta go now <laughs> like hey but real quick but really just the fact that we don't need to be saying all of these words right our opinions we don't need to say them that person doesn't need our opinion they don't need a lot of stuff from mm. us and just that thing of probably better to just not talk at all in a lot of circumstances James 4 part 2 Anything else? I mean, is there a little nugget of making it applicable? I think that you can draw from I think so. what we're talking about, things that are applicable. But I think the, the thing, is, to me, what I want to take away from part two is this. God has to be a part of every part of your life. And when he is, your life is on the right track. Right here when he says, if it is the Lord's will. You're only going to know the Lord's will if you're reading and praying. So make things applicable. You want to submit to God. You've got to submit completely. You've got to do it 100%. And I know that's not simple, but just try it. Just try it. Just try it with the simple stuff. Read your Bible. Do the mm -hmm. small things. Small obedient steps because those small obedient steps lead to bigger obedient steps. And I, I think if we were to like encourage people with anything is that God's still working on all of us. And even though we make mistakes and James is calling us sinners and double-minded, there's still a work to be done in us. And if we're still alive today, that means God's still doing something to use us for his glory. Today. Today. Don't look at next year. Look, look at yeah, today. today. Yeah, because 2020 is, is, yeah, it's Jumanji, man. <laughs> we're living in Jumanji. If you're playing Jumanji, stop. Or at finish, least the finish the game. Yeah. Or uh, the one I told you earlier, the time traveler, yeah. who keeps coming back to fix 2020, but he's just making it worse. <laughs> like, just stop. We'll figure it out. We'll get there. Yeah. It's like, uh, you got rid of the murder hornets, but like, Things still aren't good. Just no. stop touching things. We'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what we'll take away from everything. Stop the murder hornets. Uh, um, yeah, that's it. I got, I got nothing. Yeah, me neither. That was right. such a weird finish. Most awkward finish ever. All right, so I'm Chris. This is Murdoch. Murdoch. And we're your church friends. We're your church friends. Um, like, subscribe, do all that stuff if you want to share. It, it's totally cool. See you guys.